You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the composer for Minari, Emil Masseri. Doing great, man. Doing great. Loved re-listening to your score. You know, it's. I can't wait till it's on Spotify. It's pretty fantastic stuff. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. I'm so glad you like it. Yeah, it'll be on Spotify soon enough. Uh, you know, hopefully, yeah, by by February for sure. So uh, I guess we'll, we'll jump right in. Um, I, I know that apparently you kind of studied under or with Nick Bertel. Tell me a little bit about kind of working under Nicholas Bertel and being the new indie wonderkin in the indie film composing world. Um, I did not actually study under him or work with him ever. Um, I am, however, a huge fan of his work. And I met him at Sundance in 2019 or 2018. Uh, for last black last black man in San Francisco, and um, he was super generous with his, you know, encouragement and and had said kind things about the score and was super generous with his time, and uh, sort of helped me sort of navigate um, being dropped into this industry in a way. You know, he was. I'm a huge fan of his work and he was super being kind of like a mentor to me as far as like, yeah, you know, these are people you want want to work with. These are people like, you know, like he has people that he uses that, um, to mix his scores or as that he'd recommended or people that, you know, are just even just taking it, getting a job offered and talking through it with me. He's been like, I mean, he's been sort of like a, uh, an inspiration and a mentor. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously I'm a huge fan of his work as, as we all are. Yeah. So you, um, you know, you mentioned last man, black man in San Francisco, and that was really the first time I had noticed your work. How did you kind of navigate from starting there to a film like Minari? You mean creatively or... Um, How did you land on this project? And then uh, kind of at what point oh, okay. did you get on this? Were you here from the start? Did you come in once it was shot? I came in on uh, this project before they started shooting. This was the first time I'd been um, brought on board from the script stage, which was a dream for me. I was thrilled mm-hmm. to, to work that way. You know, I'd, I'd kind of came together naturally because I'd done a few films for plan B. I did last black man in San Francisco. And then, um, the Jillionaire was another plan B film that I'd finished right before Christina. O, oh, the producer of both last black man and Minari reached out to me about, um, she came to my studio and told me about Minari and, uh, sent me the script and, uh, we'd sort of taken it from there. Um, but, uh, she'd, she'd, uh, me the script and I'd met Isaac and we started talking about music and started talking about his film. I fell in love with his, his film 
from the script stage. And then I came down to Tulsa where they were shooting and we uh, had, uh, I just started writing some sketches for that. I'd written sort of in the spirit of this film without seeing it yet. Cause it was in the process of being made. And then it was cool to see how that approach could be fruitful. You know, it was just, it was, uh, you know, the, the music was, had room to breathe in a way that that I was was really exciting to me because the Harry Harry you and the incredible editor had, um, of me and I had sort of stretched out certain scenes to fit certain cues I'd written and mm. place different melodies in certain places that I wouldn't have thought to and it was a really deeply collaborative um, experience between Harry Isaac and myself and in, in building the score in the film. Let's talk a little bit about some of your inspirations. I um. I got a little bit of Riverman by Nick. Dr- I'm just kidding. I, I looked at I looked at your Spotify playlist, so I saw the uh, I saw your like um, Minari inspirations playlist. Whoa! I didn't realize I didn't even realize that was public. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, that's good to know though. Brian Eno, little Arcade Fire kind of seemed like in there. I mean, overall, who did you kind of draw from for inspirations? For Minari, I mm-hmm. think the the rep, that, that playlist might have been. Um, a Spotify playlist that I had made for uh, strings, like like the type of string treatment that I was, um, it was a long time ago, but it was probably something that I had sent to uh, Brian, who, uh, sorry, Frank Wolf, who mixed the score, or Catherine Joy, who'd uh, orchestrated it with me. So I think that that might've been where those inspirations came from. There wasn't any specific, um, uh stylistic reference that Isaac and I had in mind going into this film it was very like it was more about just trying to write something that that spiritually felt connected to this to the to the film and I think that you know we knew things that we wanted to avoid more than things that we wanted to sound like like we wanted you know we wanted to we didn't want it to have um like korean music references in the in the score we didn't want it, the music to sound um stylistically korean we didn't also it's a very american story too and mm-hmm. we, we didn't really you know it's about the american dream this family moving to this new place and i think that uh we wanted to also make sure we didn't have like a very like americana like twangy acoustic guitar score either like so we knew things that we didn't want but as far as what we we did want it was sort of just it came from a more emotional place than um stylistic references like we we were just trying to figure out like what does childhood memory sound like and how does um like how can we write music that would be thematically connected to 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 Jacob the Stephen Yoon's character's connection with to the land like he has this this spiritual connection to the land and how can we find ways that like what is the musical language that 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 would score essentially what's isaac's childhood memories you know yeah you know i think that was the exciting challenge there you mentioned uh obviously both you didn't want to have like a korean sound and you talk about it's tied to the land i know you have two songs the wind song and the rain song that uh incorporate lyrics in korean into them um and obviously yeah yeah that was really fun um the and those lyrics are 
are um, poems that are about the land. You know, they both have are different elements, but I think that yeah, the rain song was really fun. They both were really fun. The rain song was first, and that one actually appears in the film. And that was a song that we'd written that I had written in English to the melody of, the, of one of the cues in the, in the film, the one that opens the film. So that piece of music essentially bookends the film. And when it closes the film, it's, uh, it's, uh, it has lyrics now. It's a lyrical version. And uh, we got Yeti, the, the actress that plays um, Monica in the film, to sing it because it was kind of like this lullaby yeah. from a mother to a son, you know? Um, and we, it was translated by Stephanie Hong. Like the lyrics I wrote were changed and rewritten and the phrasing had to translate to Korean. So we had, uh, uh, Stephanie Hong, an amazing lyricist, write the Korean lyrics. And then, and then Yeti sang it from Korea and sent us these memos. And it was a really just magical experience overall. It was exciting to, to have that come together that way that kind of collaboration i've never worked that way before so it was really thrilling and then wind song we did the same was the same kind of team we we were talking about like it was getting the band back together like for the album we made another song you know stephanie and yeti and isaac and i uh got together and you know it was during covid but through emails you know electronically got together and uh made wind song as sort of a, a cousin or a companion piece to rain song. Yeah. Well, honestly, uh, are they going to submit you for uh, original song consideration as well for, uh, for rain song since it sounds like it's all completely original for this film? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Um, which is exciting too, because I've never written a song for a film before. You know, I, it's always, I always love to have a song on the album or a song with vocals or lyrics on a, on a record and a score albums, you know, but with last black man, it was a cover of, uh, if, if you're going to San Francisco, yeah, we did with Mike Marshall and then with Kajillion air, we did, um, Angel Olsen and I made a track, uh, like a, a cover of Bobby Vinton's Mr. Lonely, which was a dream working with Miranda and Angel on that. But they were, but those were both covers. So this is the first time that we've done original songs um, for an album, which for a film, which is which is fun. I'd love to do more of that, honestly. Yeah. Because I, it's sort of where I come. I come from. I've been in bands my whole life and writing songs, and it's it to me, it's all kind of the same thing: scores and songwriting. And I, I'd love to. And, you know, I was just really grateful for the opportunity to write a song for the film. Like, that's that's a dream if, that, if, if the film calls for it, if there's space for it, you know, organically. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? 
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? (laughs) I've never done it. Well, uh, yeah, I uh, I know that you you've been part of the dig for a while, and you you do vocals and bass for that, right? Mm-hmm. So when it came to the work here, uh, I I know that there are some just vocal backgrounds in some of the other tracks, and obviously there's some guitar work, there's piano, there's strings, a little synth. What are you playing? I'm singing, and on 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 Minari, are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm singing and playing piano and playing um guitar acoustic guitar and playing synth and then uh we have like a we recorded a string section in macedonia um and we had 40 strings and then we had woodwinds and brass that i recorded here in la at my studio so um it was sort of a mixed bag, but um, it was it was cool to be able to sing on this score because I always like to incorporate vocals in in the scores, and I think that uh, for Last Black Man we had this amazing vocalist Camila Gibson and this vocalist Ralph Cato singing this sort of baritone. Um, there was a richness that Sounds like so good the human voice brings into the to the to the score like if you can build it into the sort of tapestry or the if it can be baked into the batter of the score like the human voice it, there's something very visceral about it that people can connect to you know it's literally human you know you're literally breathing air breathing life into the score you know and we did that with um Pajillionaire too I, I had uh, Theodosia Rousseau this amazing vocalist who sang, who actually played English horn on Last Black Man, but she sang on Kajillionaire sort of in this sort of stratosphere type of theremin quality singing that she has. It was a, it was, a, it was uh, a big part of that score. So for Minari, it was fun to, to sing myself on the score, you know, like I'd, I'd never done that before in a score. So it kind of happened organically where I was singing the sketches and then, um, uh, it it was working for Isaac, and I was thinking about maybe replacing the vocals. But then I, at a certain point, you don't want to poke the bear, you know. If, you, if the yeah director's happy and and it's working on an emotional level with the film, then it's like okay, we we don't have to replace it. So, um, that was really exciting for me and. And I'm grateful for, for that. Uh, you talked about synth a little bit. Um, I, I was curious about having synth in here, like in the Paul's uh, Antiphony track. 
Uh, a couple other ones. There, there's definitely a lot of synth at play here. How did you guys decide to incorporate that? Was it the nostalgia idea or the synth was kind? Of, yeah, it was sort of a light nod to the to the to the eighties. You know, to this film taking place in the eighties. Um, but I didn't want the synths to sound to announce themselves as synth- synthetic or synthesizers or eighties. You know, I. So I would double the synths with flutes to try to have some sort of synthetic element like blended with an organic element so that it would mm-hmm. be this sort of unidentifiable sound, but still kind of feel loosely connected to the 80s, but not in an overt way, you know? Yeah. Were there any other kind of unorthodox instruments you incorporated? Not particularly. Other, there was one instrument. I mean, it's it's my acoustic guitar. I have an old acoustic guitar from the... 40s. Oh, that's cool. That I detuned. That I detuned. Um, very, very low. You know, um, as low as it could handle, really, and still have any kind of recognizable intonation. So I detuned the acoustic guitar and, and doubled it with this sort of um, saloon-style piano, so that it feels sort of unidentifiable as an acoustic guitar in certain places. It just feels like maybe more like an upright bass, but or in between or a baritone type of thing. So it's sort of to give this score a sort it's sort of bass. That might that's the only other thing. Your piano sound in this really has an interesting echo to it. Was there something you guys did with the recording to kind of give it almost a uh I don't know, like a vastness when you listen to it with a lot of the piano playing? Yeah, it's a good question. I I recorded it with a microphone with like an with a nice professional microphone, you know, or whatever you'd call it. And then I'd also recorded the same performance with my iPhone and then doubled it and and panned and wide so that there's more of a stereo field or a wider stereo field so that it feels more expansive. That might be what Mm. Um, hopefully that's, that's translating, you know, Yeah. I've done that. And then also, like I said, doubled it with the acoustic guitar to make it sound not to give it a, a different character. What are you working on next? Uh, I'm working on a film called when you finish saving the world, which is a, uh, a film that, uh, uh, A24 and Fruit Tree, this uh, production company Fruit Tree are, are producing um, that Jesse Eisenberg is writing and directing. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is exciting and um, in early stages of that process. They haven't shot the film yet, but uh, I'm working on that and I'm working on my record. Um, you know, I'm my own record and I'm working on stuff with Human Love and and um, this group that that uh, we we just uh, put out a an EP and we're working on new music and uh, yeah just just having my hands in different things in in film and and uh, songwriting and just trying to stay busy during this uh, crazy time you know. Yeah, well, you, you've given us some wonderful scores this year. I can't wait for everyone to be able to hear this. And uh, I guess hopefully we see you in the Oscar race for not one but two categories this year with score and song. So 
Yeah. Well, wow. Thanks. Thanks so much. And yeah, I'm grateful just to be in the conversation. It's, it's an exciting time and it's just exciting to be part of this film. I feel really lucky that I've been uh, invited into these uh, incredible films by these incredible filmmakers and uh, I'm excited for people to see Minari. It's a really special one. Yeah, it really is. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk and uh, I, I can't wait to hear some more of your work in the future. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Will. And and uh, yeah, I appreciate you, you taking the time to talk and yeah, I'm looking forward to, to touching base soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the composer for Minari. Emil Masseri here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Minari is currently shortlisted for the 93rd Academy Awards for Best Original Score and Best Original Song, and is now playing in select theaters. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can listen to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.